Section 7 of The Mysteries of London, Volume 1, Part 2. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dave Wills. Captain Dapper and Sir Cherry Bounce. The verdure of the early spring reclothed the trees with their gay garments and gave back its air of cheerfulness to the residence of Count Alteroni. It was about midday and the sun beamed brightly from a heaven of unclouded blue. Nature appeared to be reviving from the despotism of winter's rule, and the primrose peeped bashfully forth to welcome the return of the feathered chorister of the grove. The Count and Countess, with their lovely daughter, were seated in the breakfast parlour. The two ladies were occupied with their embroidery, the noble Italian exile himself was reading the Montoni Gazette, which that morning's post had brought him. Suddenly he tittered an exclamation of surprise, and then appeared to read with additional interest and attention. "'What news from Castelcicala?' inquired the Countess. "'You remember that the Earl of Warrington applied to me between three and four months ago for letters of introduction on behalf of a lady of the name of Eliza Sidney,' said the Count. "'And who was about to visit Castelcicala in order?' or to escape the persecution of that vile man who aspired to the hand of Isabella, added the Countess. The very same. She is a cousin of the Earl of Warrington, and it appears that her presence has created quite a sensation in Montone. The Gazette of the 15th of the last month contains the following passage. The fashionable circles of Montone have lately received a brilliant addition in the person of Miss Eliza Sidney, a nearer relative of the Earl of Warrington, the noble Englishman who purchased some years ago the beautiful villa at the extremity of the suburbs of Petrarca. Miss Sidney has taken up her abode at the villa, and during the month that she has already honoured our city with her presence, her agreeable manners, amiable qualities and great personal attraction have won all arts it is even rumoured that the highest person in the land has not remained indifferent to the attractions of this charming foreigner surely this latter sentence cannot allude to the duke exclaimed the countess it can allude to none other answered the count the highest person in the land of course it means the duke but after all it is probably only one of those idle reports which so frequently obtain vogue in the fashionable circles of our great cities no one engendered in the fertile brain of a newspaper editor said the countess still it would be strange if through your letters of introduction oh it is too absurd to speculate upon interrupted the count impatiently and yet your lordship is not unaccustomed to judge now and then by the mere superficial appearance of things said the countess severely i ejaculated the italian noble decidedly answered the countess you believe mr greenwood to be an honest man without examining into his real position ah that one foolish step of mine and you pronounced Mr. Markham a villain without according him an opportunity of giving an explanation, added the Countess. Always the wretched Markham, 
cried the Count angrily. Why do you perpetually throw his name in my teeth? Because I think that you judged him too hastily, said the Countess. Not at all. Did he not admit that he had been in Newgate? A cold shudder crept over Isabella's frame. Yes, and so has our friend Mr. Armstrong, whom you value so highly, and whose letter from Germany gave you so much pleasure yesterday morning. Certainly I was pleased to receive that letter, because I had not heard from Armstrong so long. I fancied that something had happened to him. But to return to what you were saying, continued the Count, Armstrong was incarcerated merely for political offence, and there is something honourable in that. Mr. Mark may have been more unfortunate than guilty, said the Countess. At all events, you have condemned without giving him a fair hearing. I have even asked you to refer to the newspaper of the period and read his case, but you refuse to give him a single chance. Your ladyship is very quick to blame, said the Count, somewhat sarcastically. But you forget how rejoiced you were some years ago to discover that the Chevalier Gildestein, whose father was executed for coining, was no relation to our family, as you had long deemed him to be. And yet the Chevalier was himself innocent of his father's offence. I certainly have expressed myself more than once in the way you mention, returned the Countess, but I had so spoken without due consideration. Now that the case is immediately presented to my view, I am inclined to feel and act more charitably. But how could Mr. Markham justify himself? exclaimed the Count. Was not that attempt at burglary in this house so very glaring? Oh! cried Isabella, colouring deeply. Let Mr. Markham be guilty in other respects. I would pledge my existence. He never, never could have been a participator in that. You speak warmly, Signora, said the Count, whose brow contracted. You forget that I myself overheard him talking with someone over the wall of the garden only a few hours before the entrance of the burglars. We have many cases upon record, interrupted Isabella enthusiastically, in which men have been unjustly convicted on an almost miraculous combination of adverse circumstances. Suppose that Mr. Markham was, in the first instance, made the victim of rogues and villains, and sacrificed by them to screen their own infamy. Suppose he underwent his punishment in Newgate, being innocent. Will you sympathize with him, and commiserate him, or will you scorn and repulse him? Oh, my dear father, no kindness would be too great towards a being who has suffered through the fallibility of human laws. Suppose that one of the villains who plunged him, innocent into all that misery, repented of the evil, and signed a confession in his own enormity, and of Mr. Markham's guiltlessness. Then would you remain thus prejudiced? Oh, no, my dear father, you never would. Your nature is too noble. My dearest Isabella, let us drop this conversation. In the first place, it is not likely that your romantic idea of one of the villains whom you bring upon your fanciful stage, signing such a confession, 
oh my dear father exclaimed isabella a ray of joy flashing from her large black eyes well if such a were the case added the count impatiently the entire mystery of the burglary remains to be cleared up to my satisfaction and therefore with your permission we will leave this subject now and for ever isabella's head dropped upon her bosom and her countenance wore an expression of the most profound disappointment and grief scarcely had the conversation thus received a rude check and the count resumed the perusal of his paper when sir jerry bounce and captain smilax dapper were announced here we are the two inseparables strike me ejaculated the gallant hussar how is the signora this morning somewhat melancholy blow me it seems that you have nothing to make you melancholy captain dapper said the count who did not experience the greatest possible amount of delight at the arrival of the two young gentlemen although he was far too well bred to show his annoyance beg pardon count on the contrary smite me returned captain dapper i have a great deal to be melancholy for i lost six hundred pounds last night at cards blew me for a fool that i was i must confess however that i wasn't half awake yes and smilax insisted upon my sitting down and playing too and i lost twenty pounds and got scolded by your mamma into the bargain for sitting up too late said the captain nonsense smilax exclaimed sir jerry i dare say my mother allows me as great a license as yours well we won't quarrel jerry said the officer but what do you think count i and jerry dined together at the piazza covent garden where we got the most unexceptionable turtle and the most approved venison the iced punch was superlative the charges of course comparative well in the evening while i and jerry were sipping our claret and jerry was admitting confidentially to me that he really hates claret and only drinks because it is fashionable oh naughty smilax hold your tongue cherry well a couple of gentlemen came into the coffee-room there was no one else there beside me and cherry and the newcomers so they began whispering together for a few moments and at length one of them rushes forward catches cherry in his arms and cries out oh my dear smith my friend smith how glad i am to meet up with you again cherry coloured up to the eyes oh what an infamous falsehood you did and you were so frightened you could not speak a word i was obliged to tell a loving gentleman that your name was not smith and then he begged pardon and said he never saw in his life such a resemblance to an old schoolfellow of his as cherry was well we laughed over the mistake the two gentlemen rang for claret and we all sat down to the same table together we drank several bottles of wine and then adjourned to another place to sink it all with brandy and water jerry was quite top-heavy but i was as sober as a judge why did you whirl in the mud then why because i tripped against the stone well then we were foolish enough to go to a gambling-house with these gentlemen and there i lost and cherry lost and the two gentlemen won i suppose said the count dryly oh, of course answered captain dapper how foolish of two mere boys like you 
to think of going to a gambling-house exclaimed the count do you not see that the two gentlemen who accosted you in so strange a manner in the coffee-room of an hotel perceived you to be a couple of a green horns well they might have thought so of cherry cried the captain colouring deeply and twirling his moustachios but they couldn't have formed such an opinion of me an officer in her majesty's service strike smite and blow me i'm sure i don't look so very green as you think said sir jerry bounce now falling into a sulky fit with his friend the officer oh i know perfectly well that they were regular gentlemen continued the captain for they gave us a cards and one was sir rupert harborough the other was mr chichester sir rupert harborough and mr chichester exclaimed isabella on whom the mention of those names produced a strange effect yes answered captain dapper and so you see that they were proper gentlemen and it was all luck but strike such luck as mine isabella's countenance was suddenly irradiated with a gleam of the purest and most heartfelt joy tears started to her eyes but they were tears of happiness and fearful that her emotions would be observed she hurried from the room ah but you didn't hear cherry's adventure about the bird did you count demanded dapper still continuing the conversation the count shook his head why this was it said the gallant captain of hussars a waggish friend of mine whose name is dawson dined with me and cherry the other day and the conversation turned upon birds well, cherry said he was very fond of choice birds and dawson immediately observed if you like to accept of it i will make you a present of a very beautiful and curious bird i bought it the other day at snodkins the bird fanciers in castle street and you may have it it is still there all you have to do is take a cage with you call and ask for mr dawson's polyflos boyo of course cherry was quite delighted and indeed he almost hugged my friend dawson and all the rest of the evening he could think and talk of nothing but the bird with a hard name he thought of asking how large a cage he ought to take with him the largest you have got replied dawson so the evening passed away and the next morning before the clock struck nine there was cherry rattling up regent street as fast as he could in a hack cab with a huge parrot cage jolting on his knees well he reached castle street found out snodkins and says please i have come for mr dawson's polyfloyth boio for mr dawson's what cried snodkins for mr dawson's polyfloth boio and what the devil is that and who the deuce are you roared snodkins who thought that cherry had come to make a fool of him the thing is a bird and my name is sir cherry bounce was the reply and my name is snodkins said the fellow and i don't understand being made a fool of by you mr dawson bought a bird here a few days ago persisted cherry and he says that i may have it here's the cage so give me the bird snodkins was by now inclined to believe that this was all right so he brought down the bird put it into the cage and cherry drove triumphantly home with it his mamma was sitting at breakfast when he entered with the cage in his hand here ma said cherry i don't say ma more than you do smilax 
interrupted the youthful baronet. "'Yes, you do, Cherry,' returned Dapper. "'I have heard you a hundred times. "'Well, let me tell the story out.' "'Well, Cherry's mamma exclaims, "'Law, boy, what have you got there? "'A polythroid bowyer, ma, that my friend Dawson gave me.' "'A what, Cherry?' shrieks the old lady. "'A polythroid bowyer, ma,' answers Cherry, "'bringing the cage close up to his ma. "'Polyphos bowyer?' ejects mamma. "'Why, you stupid boy, it's nothing more or less than a hideous old owl!' "'And so it was. "'And there the monster sat upon the perch, "'blinking away at a furious rate, "'and looking as stupid as, as Cherry himself, spite him!' "'Isabella had returned to the apartment "'and resumed her seat a few moments before this story was finished, "'and Captain Dapper appeared very much annoyed and surprised "'that she did not condescend to laugh at the recital. "'By the by,' he observed after a moment's pause, "'I have something to tell you all. Strike me!' "'Oh, yes, about Richard Markham,' said Sir Cherry. "'The Count made a movement of impatience. "'The Countess looked up from her embroidery, "'and a deep blush mantled upon the cheek, "'and a sudden tremor passed through the frame of the lovely Isabella. "'Yes, about Richard Markham,' continued the Hussar officer. I and Cherry were riding in the neighbourhood of his house the other day, and we saw the two at Tweeth. Yes, and something else, too, for we saw one of the sweetest, prettiest, most interesting young ladies, the Signora herself excepted, walking in the garden. Well, well, said the Count impatiently. Perhaps Mr. Markham is married, and you saw his wife. That is all. No, continued Dapper. "'for she was close by the railings "'that skirt the side of the road "'running behind his house, "'and we saw an old butler-looking kind of fellow "'go up to her, and I heard him call her Miss.' "'Mr. Markham and his affairs "'are not of the slightest interest to us, Captain Dapper,' "'said the Count. "'We do not even wish to hear his name mentioned. "'Isabel, my love, let us have some music.' "'But no reply was given to the request of the Count.' who was seated in such a way that he could not see his daughter's place at the work-table. Isabella had again left the room. Of what nature were the emotions which agitated the bosom of that beauteous, that amiable creature? Wherefore had she first sought her own chamber to conceal tears of joy? And why had she now retired once more to hide the outpourings of an intense anguish? End of Section 7